below me there was a group of hearing impaired people with their interpreters they weren't just interpreting like the lyrics but they were really like hip-hopping through the entire performance and that's also part of like the community aspect at Sighet. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm your host, Gail Manasco, and today we are featuring an episode on the Ziget Festival in Budapest, Hungary. Now, I'm not recommending anyone to go to festivals at this time, but one day I do think things will go back to normal hopefully. And if you're planning your after the pandemic bucket list experience, then this is one to add to the list. Now, please note that the 2020 Ziggit Festival that normally happens in August is canceled. Uh, We did record this interview before the pandemic and the festival just sounded so cool. I still want to share this episode. Uh, That way you could get a feel for what the festival was like, at least before the pandemic, and and make those plans and make those uh, bucket list ideas for what you're going to do um, one day. <laughs> but this festival is unlike any festival I've ever heard of. And to be honest, I've never heard of the Ziggit Festival until... Sophie from Wonderful Wonderings reached out, uh, which I highly recommend checking out her website if you are making those future one day travel plans, wonderfulwanderings.com. But this festival is one that Sophie traveled to as a solo female traveler, which you know what, that's pretty brave. I think that's really cool uh, to go as a solo female to a festival where you don't know anybody and and get in there. And this is not just a music festival. It's not just an art festival. It's a festival of everything. I mean, this is where you can go and see reggae, all these different stages, see the art, go experience TED Talks, acrobats. Uh, I mean... Just think of it and it's probably there. There's even like a beach you can go chill at. So uh, this is a really unique place with a lot to do. And and I hope these wonderful festivals like this one um, will continue um, later. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer. Uh, Let's welcome Sophie to the show. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk about the Ziggit Festival. I had no idea that this festival existed before you reached out to me. I heard about it, I think, two years ago or so. And that summer I couldn't go, so I was dead set on going last summer. And it was so amazing. I already decided that I'll go back this year. I mean, the festival has so much more going on than a regular festival. Can you help describe exactly what it is like? Yeah, it's just, it has so much more to offer than your typical music concerts. I mean, when I went there, I knew the festival was seven days, but I hadn't really expected to do the seven full days. 
Um, and I really ended up going there from like three in the afternoon till three at night, just because there's so much on the entire time. Like, like you said, there's capoeira workshops, there's a reggae stage, but there's also dance performances. There are circus acts. You can go to the beach. It's simply impossible to do everything in seven days, even when there are a couple of stages that don't interest you that much. Now, how many people do you think are at this festival? Ooh, good question. I looked it up beforehand, and now I have to admit that I kind of forgot. Um, but I think the most important part is not really how many people were there, but the fact that it didn't really feel crowded, because it's really it. The festival takes place on an island, and the island is so big that you never really feel like you're bumping into people. Um, which I really appreciated because knowing that it was so big, I was a bit worried that, you know, things would get cramped with the popular performances, but that really never was the case. Mm -hmm. So this is such a unique festival. When did you go for the first time? So the first time was last year in August in summer. I'd been meaning to go the year before, but it just, it didn't work out with my travel schedule. Um, so yeah, it always takes place mid-August and last year was the first time that I went, but I'm definitely going back this year. Yeah, I love it. Have you been to other festivals uh, to be able to compare it with other experiences? Huh, I would say yes and no. I've been to plenty of other festivals, mostly in Belgium, my home country. But so far, I haven't found anything um, that compares to Siget. And there's a big Siget like, Facebook group for people who attend. And I've actually asked this question there after the festival because I was so impressed. I loved it so much. So I asked people, like, is there anything else like this in another country that I could go to next year? And the consensus was kind of that Siget is unique. And there are other festivals that also incorporate theater, for example, or circus. Um, but there's nothing really like Siget that takes up a full week and that literally has it all. Okay, I know there's so much to do at the festival and not all of our listeners are going to get to go. <laughs> Could you maybe take us through one of your favorite days at the festival? Oh, one of my favorite days. I think that must have been the second day, probably, because the first day everything starts a bit later and not all the stages are as active yet. But then from the second day, it's full on. And because it was my first time there, Everything was brand new and everything was like such a cool new experience. Um, what really stood out to me um, in the entirety of the festival was, I guess, the circus stage as well as um, the modern dance stage. I actually spent most of my time um, at like those performance kind of stages than I did at the typical music concerts. Um, and it was just, I've, I discovered so many new cool performances. Um, I actually, I saw an, acrobatic, an acrobatics group from Australia one day, and I loved them so much that when I got back home, I booked tickets to their show in Berlin, and I traveled to Berlin in December just to go see them there. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, now, what was the name of this group? Yeah, Gravity and Other Myths. They do acrobatics, but it's in a very playful way. And without using much accessories. So basically can, they can do it anywhere. And it was just really cool to see the interaction between the artists as well as their body control was just insane. Wow. So wild. After seeing these performances, what would you do to take a break during the day? 
Oh, so there's a massive beach area that you can go to, which is really, really cool. You can actually sit on the beach by the Danube River. Um, but then there's also a whole area with like beanie bags. There's an area where you can play board games. There's a chill out area with like a beach bar. So that area in itself by the water was very cool to go chill at. Um, but then obviously it's a festival. So people basically crash on the grass wherever they feel like. And there are lots of um, cool beach like bars that just put out lounge chairs outside or that have makeshift benches. Um, so you really just have to walk for 10 or five minutes from wherever you are to find a place where you can have a seat and grab a drink or have some food. Now, while you were there, you were experiencing so many different forms of art, performance, people. Did it change you in a way or did it change your perception? For me, it was kind of a boost of confidence because I travel solo most of the time, but I'd actually never gone to a festival all by myself. And so this was kind of a deep plunge for me because I went to this festival by myself, not just for one day, but for seven days. And I quickly realized that I had nothing to worry about. Um, the cool thing about SIGET is that there's this Facebook group that I mentioned before where people are very active. There's a special Facebook group for people who travel there solo to like make connections even before the festival starts. And then there's also people who start up different WhatsApp groups. So, for example, when I was there, I was a member of a solo travelers WhatsApp group for SIGET, but also one for just like ladies, for women who like kind of wanted a safety net as well, because some people like me, for example, I was staying in the city center. So we had a group of women. And if someone didn't feel comfortable going um, home alone at night, we would just text, hey, I'm leaving the festival now. Does anybody want to come? And even during the festival itself, people were constantly like sharing their location, sharing what they were up to. So if you felt like it, it was very, very easy to connect with other travelers there. That's really cool because it sounds like you found a community before you even came to the festival. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I hadn't expected this. I joined the Facebook group and I could see that people were already posting but it's like, it's already happening now, right? So the festival isn't for another six months. And people are constantly sharing updates about the lineup, about like information that's being released. People are giving each other tips on, on like which camping to stay at or how things work. It's really a group that act, that's active all year around. And you can tell that these people are just super passionate about the festival and sharing their love for the festival with other people. Now, the people that come to the festival, are they predominantly European or did you see a nice mixture from around the world? In terms of countries, I'd say it was a really good mixture. I, I met people literally from like Belgium and the Netherlands all the way to New Zealand and Australia. So I'd say that like a lot of countries were represented there. And actually what's really cool is that um, one day of the festival, they always organize um, like a flag moment, which is basically it's one performance where everybody brings the flag of their country and waves it around all the like the all, all through the performance. And then you really get to see how many countries are represented there. And it's just really cool as well. If you could recreate one moment from the festival, what would it be? Ooh, okay. Yeah, this is 
So it's not a performance, but this is something that got to me so, so deeply, I would say. I was at the Macklemore performance and I was, I was looking at the performance from kind of like a higher viewpoint. And below me, there was a group of hearing impaired people with their interpreters. And the interpreters were just, they were interpreting the entire performance, but with such enthusiasm, like they weren't just interpreting like the lyrics, but they were really like hip hopping through the entire performance. And it was so amazing to see. And you could tell that people around them just stopped to watch them instead of watching the performance. And yeah, I think it's, that's also part of like the community aspect at Siget. I think you can just see people are there to help each other and everybody just wants everybody to have the best time possible. What a powerful moment. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I've seen interpreters, but I've never seen them really get into the music. Oh, they were into it. They were into it, definitely. Wow, incredible. At this festival, you've got a lot going on. Did you feel safe? You're a female there all alone. How did you feel safety-wise? I felt way safer than I had expected to feel beforehand. Um, so like I mentioned, before the festival started, a bunch of women created this WhatsApp group, you know, just in case that we felt unsafe or that we didn't want to go, go back to our apartments or to the campsite alone at night. Um, I have to say I've never used that group not for safety reasons. Um, yeah, everything was, everybody was just so chill. I mean, obviously people drink and I'm sure some people did drugs, which I didn't really notice, but I'm sure it happened. Um, but you you never had like, you know, where you bump into this group of, of super drunk, annoying guys or where you get hassled by some annoying people. Um, yeah, no, I felt safe like all throughout the festival and, Maybe that's bad of me, but I really didn't expect to feel that way beforehand. And I'd kind of had the idea like, oh, I'll go in the afternoon and then maybe by midnight, I'll make sure I'm back at my apartment every day. But no, like I could party at the festival all throughout the night and everybody was just friendly and enjoying themselves. Now let's get into some logistics. So it's every year in August for seven days. Yeah. Do you know the dates for 2020? Yeah, this year it's it's from the 5th until the 12th, I think. And how far in advance should you be buying tickets to the festival? So if I remember correctly, they've just released the early bird tickets. So you can buy tickets from the start of the year almost. Um, but I know that, so the prices go up throughout the year, but they, it never becomes really expensive. I think for seven days at the end last year, it was 350 euros or so, or maybe closer to 400, which in comparison with prices in Belgium for festivals, for example, that's really cheap. Um, and I know some, I've met some people at the festival last year that just bought their ticket last minute or bought it from people who ended up not going. Um, so I would say if you're certain that you want to go, buy your ticket early because it will be less pricey. Um, but if you're not sure if you'll make it, like because your other travel plans aren't fixed yet or because you have to get time off from work, 
then it's still possible to get tickets um, last minute. Maybe not for the full seven days, but you can really buy tickets for as many days as you like. You're not obliged to take seven days or three days. You can take one, two, three, four. You can go for as many days as you like. Now, this is in Budapest, Hungary, yeah. on an island. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get there? It's really very easy. So I flew to Budapest and I actually stayed in the city center. Um, but if you're staying on the island on a campsite, there's a shuttle bus specifically for the festival that takes you from the airport to the festival. If you're staying in the city, you can get there um, by tram or by using one of the specific shuttles that they that they have for um, Siget. So the shuttles are actually their water taxis. And you have water taxis all year round in Budapest. But for the festival, they have one or two specific lines that they open that only take people to the festival. Um, Budapest also has a very big international train station that you can take the train to if you're coming from nearby. Or if you want to travel very low cost, you can use a company like Flixbus or one of the other long distance bus companies to, to get you there. Did you need a rental car at any point? No, and I highly recommend not to get one. Uh, unless maybe you want to do a road trip after the festival, and then I would recommend getting it after the festival because it's so easy to get around Budapest. Even if you're staying on the island and you want to go sightseeing during the day, all you really need to do is take the tram and you're in the city center in like half an hour and there everything is super, super walkable. So a car would just be extra hassle, really. Once you're at the festival, you're sleeping at the festival well, could be sleeping at the festival. Uh, what are those accommodations like and what are your choices? And how much do they cost? <laughs> yeah, so I didn't sleep at the festival itself. I, I rented an Airbnb in the city center um, also because I wanted, well, I had the idea beforehand that I would do some work while I was there, but obviously that, <laughs> that didn't really happen. Um, but if you want to stay at the festival site itself, there are so many options, like your ticket actually includes um, free camping, but it's really important to know that if you do that, you literally have to put your tent on the festival site. So there were people sleeping around the toilet area, in the pathways. Um, it's When you do that, you don't really have like a set fest like campground. You really sleep in between the stages. But it's free. So if you're really traveling on a budget, then that's a good option. And then aside from that, there's anything from like a campground where you can put your tent and where you have shower and toilet cabins to very high end um, glamping campsites with even I think a pool and with DJ boots and with, with like more high end food stands and like lots of electricity to charge your devices. Um, so it really there's really something for every kind of budget. Now, I do have to say, I noticed that last year, the like the higher quality campsites or the more expensive campsites, to put it like that, were all booked out by the time the festival got started. So if you're, you want to stay on the festival site itself and you want like a better sleeping experience, I would recommend to book that as fast as you can. 
All right. So when we look at the cost for the festival, you're looking at around 300 euros for seven days. That's free yeah. camping. You can pay more for glamping. Yeah. Let's say you want to stay in the city. Maybe you're a digital nomad. You got to catch up on emails in the evening. How mm-hmm. much did an Airbnb cost you? So I got really lucky with my Airbnb and I'm still in touch actually with my host because I'm hoping that she'll open it up again this year. I only paid, I think it was 298 euros for a full apartment for nine nights. But this is, this is really cheap um, because I've been looking already for this year and you have to count around, like say for, for a good, for a decent one bedroom apartment in the city center, you pay between like 35 and 55 euros a night. So this is still cheaper than most hotels and you do have the benefit that you have a kitchen, you can prepare your own food, you have a bit more space, you can do your laundry if you want to, like because your clothes will get dirty at the festival. So I think it's still, it's not uber, uber cheap, but it's definitely not expensive. Now, what about food costs? If you're going to be eating at the festival, how much would you be budgeting each day? Yeah, so that was actually the only cost that I was a bit surprised about because eating out in Budapest city center is still relatively cheap in comparison to, I don't know, eating out in a city in the Netherlands or Belgium or France, for example. Um, I was a bit disappointed with the food at the festival because most of it was fast food. So burgers, pizza, fries, things like that. And it was, it was pretty expensive. So say for like a decent meal, you would easily pay um, 9 to 10 euros. Now, they did have, um, there was a little area, a little food area where they had, had a lot of like vegan um, options, for example, as well, and more healthy options. But then you would also easily pay, I don't know, like 10 euros for a vegan burrito. Um, the best deal I found for fest- for like the food at the festival was one pizza stand that they like massive pizza slices for um, only three euros. And I believe they had a gluten-free pizza as well. So if you're on a budget and you love pizza, that was where you had to go. Now, would you say this festival is kid-friendly? Could I bring my five-year-old? Um, I think you could, but I wouldn't say that it's targeting families. Um, because there is the big beach area and there are a lot of relaxation areas and you don't really need to spend your time in front of a big stage, like listening to live music the entire time. It is a good place to bring kids and it could be fun for kids, but there's not, there's also a playground by the way, but it's not like the program isn't adjusted to kids. There's nothing really specifically going on for children. So I think if you'd want to come like for a day to have the experience and bring them, that would be totally fine. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing five or six days of SIGA Festival with kids. That's good to know for us parents out there. Mm -hmm. What about accessibility? What if you have limited mobility and maybe it's hard to walk long distances or you're in a wheelchair? Were there ramps or hard surfaces for you to be able to get from one place to another? Yeah, so there were ramps at most of the stages, if I remember correctly, not at all the stages, but then again, 
some of the stages were so small that you could like put your wheelchair in front of it and you'd still see fine. Um, some of the, the roads did have like a hardened surface or something that would prevent it from getting muddy if it, in case it rained, um, but not all of them. Now, we were very, very lucky with the weather last year. It was dry and it was sunny and it was hot. So there was no, no mud or anything that you could get stuck in. I think some of the smaller pathways might have that issue if you were there and it was raining for a couple of days. In general, I'd say it's doable. I did see people there in wheelchairs. Um, I think they also had some assistance if you required assistance. And they even had like um, a sports area that was specifically for people um, in wheelchairs. So you could go play like wheelchair basketball and, and those kind of things. Very cool. Now, what about the city of Budapest? Are the sidewalks wide enough for a wheelchair to get through? Are there uneven sidewalks? How is it getting around if you're not good with uneasy ground or in a wheelchair? Oh, that's a tough question because to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty fit. So it's not something that I specifically pay attention to. Um, now, the city center of Budapest can be quite busy. And I do know that the sidewalks aren't always in the best condition. Kind of depends what area of the city you are in. So that like I don't remember them being super narrow Um but I can imagine that sometimes you'd have to maneuver a bit to to get through like easily. I'll do a little bit more research and I'll make sure to include this information in the show awesome. notes on experiencesyoushouldhave.com. Yeah. As far as what you should bring to the festival, what's in your backpack? Definitely sunscreen. Um, Budapest can get really hot in summer. And a lot of the stages don't really have shaded areas. So if you really want to see a specific performance, it's best that you have, well, it's always best to put on sunscreen, but definitely know that there's a big chance that you won't be able to see the artists you want to see while standing in the shade in the afternoon. So sunscreen definitely is a big one. Um, another one is a water bottle because you can actually bring your own water onto the festival grounds. Um, you can also bring cookies, by the way, if you're not impressed by like um, the food at the festival, you can bring your own food. So I would always bring a few snacks and water. Um, I would also always bring tissues. Now, there was actually never um, an issue like with having enough toilet paper or anything at the toilets, but I think it's always handy to have some tissues on you. And then another thing I would recommend is like to bring a light a very light rain vest or a poncho or anything just in case it does start to rain or because there's not really any place where you can hide from the rain. So be wearing both the sunscreen and a rain poncho just in case. What about cash? Should you bring cash or card? That's a really good question. I'm glad you asked because I forgot to mention. No, you should not bring cash because Siget is actually a cashless festival. So everything you pay there, you pay by card. Here I have Visa and MasterCard. Yeah. Would that work fine over there? Yeah, that's fine. I paid everything by credit card. What about tipping? Do you tip? <laughs> that's such an American question to ask. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think I ever thought about tipping at the festival. But then again, I'm Belgian, so that's probably why. But you can tip. 
Um, like most stands have one of those machines where you can enter the tip if you like. Um, the, it was funny because there even some of like the street artists that were there, they knew it was a cashless festival. And so they'd actually brought like a machine so you could tip them with your card if you wanted to like give them some money because they knew that people wouldn't have cash on them. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they were well prepared. I don't think I've ever seen a street performer with a card machine before. <laughs> no, it was super interesting. But yeah, I thought it was funny because he was basically saying, yeah, you really have no excuse not to give me some money. Now, I did see online there was a VIP area. Did you have access to this area? I did, actually. Not because I was a VIP, but I had a press ticket last year. And that press ticket also um, granted me access to the VIP area. Now, um, I think that also gives you access to the VIP campsite, which might be interesting. The VIP area itself, to me, was only interesting um, to see like the very big names on the main stage because the VIP area was built a bit higher up. So if you stood on the platform there, you could look over the crowd. Um, then again, you would also have to stand on the front road if you're a tall girl, uh, if you're a small girl like I am. Um, so I, I had the feeling that the VIP area was maybe more for like companies who, inv who invited clients there um, and things like that. I don't know if I would pay extra for it. Although now that I remember, the toilets there were always very nice and clean. So that was a benefit. Nice toilets are always a benefit. It's important. I do appreciate a nice toilet. Yeah. Now, I saw that there was a board that said, before I die, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And people would write all sorts of things they wanted to do before they die. Yeah. Curious, if you had that board right now, what would you write? Because yeah. you're a traveler. You've seen a lot. What would you want to do and see before you die? It might just become another episode. Oh, that's a really tough. Actually, it's something I'm working on right now. So before I die, I want to like properly live abroad. Um, sorry, that's not as exciting probably as like climbing a volcano or something. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been wanting to live like really live abroad for quite a while. And there were some personal things holding me back. But so now at the moment, actually as of last month, I've been traveling and the plan is kind of to do one city every month to find my new home base. If you had to pick today yeah. where you would live, where would you choose mm -hmm. as of today? Valencia in Spain. Why is that? Um, so I went there last month. And I chose it at my, as my first destination because I'd been there before and I'd really liked it. Um, the, the benefit of Valencia to me is that there is not that much to do in terms of tourist sites. I mean, you can easily spend a fun week on vacation there, but it's not like Barcelona, for example, where there's so overwhelmingly much to do. And the, the, as a consequence, there are not that many tourists spread out over the entire city. It's a very walkable city. The temperature is nice all year round. The people are very friendly. Um, the prices aren't really, they haven't gone up because of tourism that much. 
And yeah, I don't know. It's, sometimes you just arrive in a place and it clicks and you feel like you could stay there for a while. And that was Valencia for me. Like, honestly, if last month they had told me, oh, you cannot go to all these other places, you have to stay here now for a year, I would have been totally fine with that. I love it. Thank yeah. you for sharing. Yeah, thank you for asking. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the Siget Festival before we end our interview? Yeah, I would. If you're, if you're hesitant about going, because I wanted to go so badly and I was kind of worried because I was going solo, but I would, I would say just do it because for me, it's been such an amazing experience and it was just so cool because there's so, so much more to do than just attend music concerts. Obviously, if you're a big music fan, it's great, but you get to know so many more art forms and you get to know so many different artists that you may otherwise have never come across. It's a great place to meet people and this this sounds like very wooey and I'm not a wooey person at all but, but to me it was kind of the place that restores your faith in humanity because everybody was just so friendly and helpful and it's just really a feel-good place. So if at this moment you're considering going and you're not sure if it's worth it, it is totally worth it. Beautifully said. I hope you've inspired thousands of people to go. <laughs> I would love to stay in touch with you and your travel. I hope so too. I hope so too. But as you're traveling, if you experience something amazing, please come back on the show and share. I will definitely do that. Definitely. Let's stay in touch. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful being able to share this experience with you and with your audience. Absolutely. Well, until our next adventure. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have podcast. And I know the world is in a weird place right now, phase one for many places, but you know, uh, many people aren't traveling right now. Uh, we've been we've been sticking close to home. Uh, however, now's the time to plan. Now's the time to think. You know, maybe you don't know. Uh, specific dates. But if you are looking for those bucket list ideas, those places to go around the world, you know what, now is the time to start saving or dreaming or starting that vision board. And you know what, many times the trips I go on might be in the planning phase for two years, maybe even three. So dream big. And so while it's weird and crazy out there, you know, stick close to home. Um, or plan a road trip. Road trips are are going to be very popular this year, according to Peter Greenberg. And, you know, look into some state parks. We've done some great episodes on visiting uh, Monument Valley, uh, Zion, um, just exploring uh, Utah and Arizona. Uh, so definitely go check some of those episodes out. Um, and we also have a lot of remote experiences out there, uh, like visiting one of the most remote islands in the world, St. Helena. Uh, but you will need to check to see if they're allowing visitors. But at least if you start planning now, when the places do open up, 
you'll have the money ready and you'll have the knowledge and the know-how. So please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't subscribed. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, It turns out I've got a strong listener base in Rapid City, South Dakota. And you know what? I've never, I've never been to South Dakota. And I'm, I'm very curious. What are some of your favorite things about South Dakota and Rapid City? I know you listeners are out there. Uh, So please reach out. Tell me about your town. Tell me about the cool things to do nearby. Maybe people are going to be road tripping and they want to know about some cool things in South Dakota. Uh, So, I mean, other than the obvious, but give us those off the bean path experiences. Uh, So again, check us out on experiences that you should have podcasts for those really cool bucket list experiences. And uh, we're going to have some really cool diving episodes coming out. Uh, Because diving is something that you can do and be socially distant underwater. You're not going to be transmitting the virus if you have a regulator in your mouth. Uh, So look forward to some upcoming uh, diving episodes out there if you're looking for a new hobby. Thanks again for listening.